Hello, airwaves. Welcome to the latest episode of the TPM podcast. This is Nick calling in from Texas, and I'm joined today by my good, fine-feathered friends, Matt and Michael. Matt and Michael, how are you doing today? Oh, so good, Nick. And uh, this is the first time, this is Michael, this is the first time that Zach Doman is not running the soundboard, and I am, and I'm a little nervous, so I I hope for some grace out there. Uh, But I'm doing well, Nick. I'm doing well. How are you doing? How's Texas? Good, good. Great to hear. Great to hear. Um, things are just, just peachy keen here. Just peachy keen. Is the, uh, how's the COVID world down there treating you? Um, I think it's, I think it's okay. There it's, uh, it's a hard, yeah, hard time, hard place for a lot of places in the U S Texas is not doing spectacularly, but, um, I think, uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, things will, things will turn around soon yeah totally and i think that's in minnesota we're getting better with numbers but that's one reason why we haven't dropped these podcasts yet and we're trying to maintain and follow the rules with the governor's orders and be social distanced and only have a certain amount of people recording at a time so we're looking forward to that being over as a tpm program as well but uh yeah i think it's something that we're all looking forward to ending here soon I'm so cautious about getting hopeful <laughs> that know, right? as soon as you feel like we're, we're really turning the corner and another variant of it comes or something, but with time, yeah. with time we'll get there. It's so hard. I, I will say the the one bright spot maybe is, so my wife is a dental hygienist and she just got the vaccine here in Minnesota. So if there's hope, there's uh, the vaccines, hopefully can roll it out depending on, you know, <laughs> they're new and, and scary, but working with a company who helps make those vaccines, I, I think it's really cool technology. And if it, if it pans out, we're talking about a whole new world of vaccines that are way more effective than the old 30, 40 year old technology that was used to make vaccines. So it's, I, I try to look at the positive side, <laughs> um, but I, I really hope that that, that, that pans out. So welcome to the medical podcast. Michael Francis, everyone. <laughs> I, <laughs> I realize it. we're probably going to talk about COVID eventually, but uh, I should, maybe stop talking about it now but so <laughs> anyway uh nick you you were on one of these podcasts uh as as what we're calling topics we take for granted that's the the overarching theme and that's one thing i think you the listeners will hear in this version of v4 of tpm as we're really rolling back into it is we're trying to work under topics and themes a little bit better so that we can engage with the listeners better and eventually Listeners out there, if you have topics you want to hear about or learn about or have us discuss from just a, you know, a fun conversational point of way about theology or the Bible, just from a layman's viewpoint, feel free to reach out to any of us and give us those topics. But Nick, can you give us a a synopsis of of what is topics we take for granted? Absolutely, Michael. Thanks for that. Uh, The main idea behind this series is to look at certain topics that are very common um, in spheres and circles of Christianity. Um, The reason why we're doing a series on topics that can be more common, uh, two main reasons. One, um, for things that seem familiar, um, over time, misconceptions can grow. Uh, Maybe that's because it, it becomes familiar and so maybe you don't engage with the topic the same way or think about it 
or live with it in the same way as it's meant to. And then number two, I think that sometimes, um, yeah, we can lose sight of uh, not only have misconceptions potentially, but some of these things are common because they're important, they're core, they're essential to the Christian faith. And even as they may be common, um, they're still important. And so trying to, I guess, for our own edification as a group and hopefully yours, trying to reclaim, I guess, the beauty of things that are maybe common in front of us. Yeah, I really like that word reclaim. And yeah, thanks for that that introduction. Um, so we've talked as a group so far about the gospel and about sin and about the Trinity. Um, and those are the first three we're talking about. And for the topic we're going to talk about today, I'm going to tell a short story that involves Nick. Um, the topic for today is heaven and hell. And I'm going to talk about a moment I had with Nick that was could be a heaven moment and a hell moment, all described in one. So here's the picture. Nick's in Texas, right? With my former job, I traveled a lot. In April of 2018, I ended up in Galveston, Texas uh, on a work trip, and Nick's down in Houston. So he came out, and we had dinner together at a wing spot with our, our good friend Brian Didier was also down there. Uh, so we all randomly landed in Texas. Well, Nick's not random. I guess Brian and I were. And we got wings at Wingstop, and then we decided to go have a beer on the bars in Galveston. And it was great. We were having a good time um, and just talking over a beer. And Brian notices that there's a jukebox in the corner. And I don't know. I don't think about jukeboxes <laughs> in bars anymore because they're all electronic. They're not that fun anymore. But for some reason, Brian had credits, free song credits for these jukeboxes. No way. Yeah. And yeah. He, he and Nick go over there to pick out a song. And I'm like, yeah, let's throw one on the jukebox, see if it works, see if your free credits work, Brian. Anyway, we, he goes over there and he picks a song. Guess which song he picked, Matt? April in Texas. Christmas, something Christmas, right? You you nailed it. <laughs> all I all I want for Christmas yes. is you by oh. Mariah Carey, and he puts on in April in a Texas bar in Galveston. He puts on all I want for Christmas is you. It's hilarious. We get weird looks, like people are looking around, like who played that? Who played that? Crazy. And we got a good laugh out of it. And what we realized was Brian had a few more free credits. And Galveston's a famous bar hopping place. There's tons of bars along the beach in Galveston. So we jumped to the next bar, didn't get any more drinks, but Nick and Brian ran over to the jukebox and played All I Want for Christmas is You again. And I was out there looking at reactions and, and they would run out and then we'd all run out of the bar and go to the next one. We only got to the third bar and I walk in. And I sit down on a table and pull out my phone, and I'm just there to look at reactions and, and you know, look at my phone, and I'm, you know, ready to hit it and, and go on for the day. And Brian and Nick go over to the jukebox, and they put on All I Want for Christmas is You again. And I'm looking up, and I see, you know, some reactions from the bar of, why is this song <laughs> playing? And then I see a table that's not too far away from me, probably 10 feet away from me, two tables over. There's a group of gals who are middle 20s, late 20s, and all their heads pivot. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I recognize them. There was a bachelorette party that night, bar hopping no, along the Galveston no. Bay. And we had been playing this. And they all look at me and go, you're the one doing this. You're trying to flirt with us. Oh, my uh, gosh. And they start 
coming towards me a bit, and I just throw up my hands like a scared homeschooler that I was and said, oh, no, and I ran out. So in that moment, what could have been heaven of flirting with a whole bachelorette party from our world's viewpoint to a complete hell moment for a, uh, for a homeschooler of terror is playing All I Want for Christmas is You on the jukeboxes in Texas. So uh, that is a, a common maybe a definition of our society for heaven and hell of bad moments and good moments. And that's how we're going to kick off this podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say for the record, I had no idea Michael's going to tell the story and uh, I'm impressed at how he attempted to tie it back around to the topic. That was <laughs> bravo. Bravo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we've come a long day from Michael starting TPM intros by doing math problems on Facebook, Live, but <laughs> Well done. Well done. No, it's true, though. I mean, so so getting into it, um, heaven and hell, this is uh, something that I, I think our culture is well acquainted with, these ideas and the, the Judeo-Christian view of uh, the, the fact that there's life after death and that when you die, you go to one of two places. You go to heaven or you go to hell. Now, I, I feel like culture is changing on this. So I'm, I'm curious, Nick and Michael, what is your guys' view? Do you think people um, around you at work uh, your families, maybe even at church. What, what do people around you think about these topics? Do they believe them still? And and if so, um, what do they think? I can uh, I can jump first here, Matt. Um, I I think a lot of people um, give a sentiment that would not believe in in this idea of there's heaven and there's hell. Um, I think that both for the point of um, I think in culture, it's confusing. Um, even if you meet people on the street or people you know who believe who do, who do believe in heaven and hell, you ask them about those topics, and um, I think more than other, not, more than many topics, um, there's a lot of either misconceptions or there's many different ideas about them. Um, just one more cultural data point: it's a pretty common, popular show on uh, on Netflix called The Good Place. Um, I actually haven't seen it, so this is like a summary of what other people have told me about the show, but it's something about an afterlife that is, uh, it's, yeah, it's portraying some kind of afterlife, and it's it's not quite heaven, and it's, and it's not quite hell, and so um, this is a long way of saying that I think that from people that I know and interact with, I think that the, the sentiment that the, it's heaven and it's hell... Um, isn't common. And I, I agree with that. I think it's, it's not common. And in our culture of 21st century America, like most things, I think we don't think about it and our condition. We don't think about, we try to live in a, not a fake world, but a, a world where there's, there's no pain and, and we're trying to strive for happiness. And as long as everyone's happy, we're good. Um, and, while that's very true in America, I think globally there's many faiths around the world that believe in afterlifes. And, and Nick mentioned the afterlife word, so I'd bring it up here. Is along those lines, do you think that people believe in an afterlife, have an inkling towards it, why there's so many shows made about an afterlife? Um, what's the general reckoning in your guys' opinions on on the idea of an afterlife, maybe not heaven and hell distinctly in the Christian worldview, but do you think people believe in an afterlife or, or what's the the general vibe there? 
Yeah, I, I certainly think that people still believe in an afterlife. Um, this is one of those things that I don't have any data points for, um, but I guess anecdotally, it seems that as we move in our culture um, to more of a post-Christian society and in the church to, um, at least in many ways, and, and for us being located in two major cities, uh, many churches have become more and more liberalized. Um, there's been a lot of um, direction moving away from like traditional religion to more just spirituality. And I, I think that's a big theme, but one thing that spirituality holds on to is this idea of life after death. And I think that there's something so innate within us believing that it must go on, that there can't just be a hard stop to someone's being, someone's essence. Um, so, so that makes sense to us. But I think when we actually try to, try to be concrete about it and, and dig into like, what does that mean? What does that look like? That's when we start to really have to struggle through some of these difficult ideas um, and people, I don't know, they, they like some ideas better than others. Um, and I, I think specifically hell is one idea that people don't like uh, at large. Absolutely. And another thing from a, a more postmodern naturalist worldview, the natural world, the evolutionary worldview says that we go back to nothing. And when I've pressed people on this and in my own heart, that's a scary thought. Like it, it's just over. The dance ends. You know, we're here for a moment and we, we go away again. Uh, any thoughts there, Nick, as we transition more to a. Yeah, I just want to piggyback on those ideas. I've met some people um, who have just very clearly in their own worldview understood um, this topic to mean that, well, I came from a collection of molecules and when I die, I will cease to be that. Like my matter is, is over and that's the end. And because of that, I mean, the, the reason why we're talking about this topic is it's not just a matter of interest. It's, I think your, your view and position on these topics, how you understand them, how you see them does change how you live your life. Um, and as Christians, um, not to spoil it, but there is real hope and real uh, sense of duty of what it means to be an ambassador for Christ when you look at these topics. And so my friend who mentioned this, this worldview for him, he really does believe that it's all over um, when he dies. And so that, that informs the way he lives. And that's just a point to a broader point of, that's also kind of why we're talking about this topic. It's not just a, a, a merely intellectual thing. It is uh, supremely practical. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that um, the, the way that the Bible talks about heaven and hell is not only for our information, like, oh, that's neat. That's what's going to happen in the future. It's a, it's a guidance. It's a warning and it's a hope. The, the way that, um, peop, that the God of the Bible speaks about hell and heaven, uh, respectively. And um, I think it's really important that, that we understand it because the Bible is really not unclear in any way that these two places exist and that... Um, it's it's something to, to dig into. Yep. And now let's let's move into that. Let's let's dive a little deeper. And maybe to answer a question at the end of this podcast, we kind of touched on it with Nick there. That worldview, molecules back to nothing, how that plays out in that person's life would be the old saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Accumulate happiness, accumulate wealth, accumulate things, because your moment here is faint. So that's what 
so I hope our listeners can see that connection, right? Is if you, if someone believes that you're more likely to look for wealth, happiness, joy, really push those things here and be very, um, not too worried about consequences, knowing that after the end it's done and that's what it pushes you towards. So let's look towards and pitch that towards a a Christian worldview and a a Christian view of heaven and hell. And we can kind of go through the topics we take for granted idea here, go through misconceptions and define things. And let's answer that question of what does the Christian view of heaven and hell, how does that play into our life and change how we live our life? Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. So to do that, I think a a good place to start in the Bible is in um, Luke 16, there's a story about um, a, a rich man who's unnamed and uh, Lazarus, who is a, a, a character in the Bible, character, a real person uh, in the Bible. And um, th- these two are kind of brought into uh, uh, distinction. So the, the verse starts in 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried to the, by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish and besides all this between us and you there is a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who had passed from here to you may not be able and none be able to cross from there to us and then he said I beg you father to send him to my father's house for I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torments But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And that's Luke 16, 19 through 31. Thanks, Matt, for bringing that up. Nick, any initial thoughts jump out to you on that? Yeah, I, I think this is a this is such an important passage um, to look at regarding this topic. I think what, what stands out to me perhaps most um, in this passage is verse number 27 and 28, um, where he's pleading to go, to go to my family. I have five brothers just pleading to warn them that they will also not come to this place of torments that that instills in me two things. Number one, um, this place is a place of torment. Um, this is not a place that is neutral. This is not a place that is okay or tolerable to be at. It is not, it's a place of torment is what it says. And as well as that, you see in this dialogue, this idea of, it seems like, like I don't know if you would call it regret, but pleading to to go speak to my family. Um, and it just makes you wonder that I wonder like in that moment, had he thought, is there anything I could have done differently? Um, cause now resorting to having you go and send and talk to them. Um, just, it just stands out very clearly to me is this idea of, um, 
regret. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it makes it pretty clear here that uh, this is a, a real place. Uh, understanding it's a parable, but um, he, he draws a big distinction between heaven and hell. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if you guys are all right with it, if we could focus in for a few minutes on the idea of hell and then move to the idea of heaven here. Um, hell is kind of a, a tough subject to work through. I, I think um, I, I had a, a note up here um, that there's a research group um, a, a few years ago discovered that 64% of Americans believe that they're going to go to heaven. Less than 1% believe they're going to hell. So it's, uh, which is understandable, right? Because it's it's shown in, in so many places in the Bible to be a, a terrible place. So how does this story and how does elsewhere in the Bible compare with what you hear from people around you and, and the cultural commentary about it? Um, and namely, you know, is the idea of heaven or of a hell rather uh, just? Deep question. <laughs> just um, lob that one your way. I, I think my microphone's slowly falling, so I'm going to try to have one hand here to hold it up. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, 64% of people think they're going to heaven. 1% think they're going to hell. And that's, that comes from, I think we judge, we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. So we often think that we're a lot better than, uh, (laughs) than other people around us. But with that said, a fundamental thing that I think I want to draw out here is how do people get to heaven and how do people get to hell? Do good people go to heaven? Do bad people go to hell? And that's maybe what we need to answer because that's going to really say, I think that says 64% of people think that they're pretty good and that because they believe that good people go to heaven. Whereas 1% of people think they're actually pretty bad (laughs) and they believe that bad people go to heaven. So I'm going to kick this to, to one of you two. How does somebody go to heaven and if you stretch goal how does somebody go to hell or why does somebody go to hell or why does somebody go to heaven nick okay i'll take a first shot you just give me a blank stare um uh so romans one is not unclear um uh, <laughs> i can't remember the exact word how about this the bible is not unclear um human beings are fallen that we're in sin and that all have fallen short of the glory of God that there we go Romans not one no one is good no not one um so I I think that we we do in culture tend to think of this idea of that we're good so we go to heaven and we're bad so we go to hell um I, I think that's a completely fallacious way of understanding um, the, the nature of man. Um, <laughs> no one is good. No, not one. You think you're going to heaven because you're a good person. Uh, I'm sorry. You're, you're sorely mistaken and you're going to be unbelievably disappointed if that's your hope for the future is by being a good person. Um, I, and I think honestly, that's the reason we have such a terribly tough time understanding how hell can exist is because we do believe that we're all good. Um, when the Bible says we're not, um, I, I think that we don't understand um, how egregious sin is the fact that we look at God and we say you don't know what you're talking about yes you you're the creator of the entire world but I know what's best for me I'm gonna do my own thing and um, it's too bad for you so that that's what sin is and um, that's that's why none of us deserve to go to heaven 
So I kind of took the your stretch goal and honed in on that. Um, Nick, maybe you can hit on a little bit more um, how to get to heaven. But I, I think that the question needs to be flipped on its head, not what, what, how, how on earth could anyone go to hell. It should be how on earth can anyone not go to hell if we really have the view of sin that the Bible takes. Yeah, thanks for that intro, Matt. Um, I think that, yeah, that's that's really great. One uh, Another verse in Romans that sticks out to me on this topic is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And starting at a place of what Matt mentioned of a, um, a biblical view of what sin is and who has it and what it causes. Um, I think you can step towards the conclusion that we are all, we have all fallen short of the glory of God and we are in need of, we're in need of redemption from the sinful state. Um, what, um, what Romans 6.23 offers is both a, a hard truth of the wages of sin is death, uh, spiritual death, separation from God. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, and so stepping away from the definitions uh, culturally of good and bad, um, perhaps by our own merits, um, to, see, to see a view of heaven that is being united with God through Christ Jesus. Um, one thing that I also want to highlight is that um, very often passages related to heaven, um, they have the phrase eternal life associated with it. So it's not just um, a place you go to. It is a gift of eternal life, life in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what do we get from heaven? Yeah. And how do we get there? I love that how <laughs> I asked that question. You guys start bringing through scriptures. One, we're all sinners. Two, uh, that was Matt's verse. Nick, your verse was the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through him. Another verse from Romans, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love for us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then I'll end it here with how does somebody get to heaven? Uh, Romans 10, 9. Uh, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And just to tie a knot on that, it's it's not good, your good, that gets you to heaven. It's believing in God's good, that he died for you. And we'll, we'll pitch you back to the gospel episode of topics we take for granted. But it's belief that gets you to heaven and, and disbelief that, that sends you to hell because we are in a fallen state. It's not like we start in heaven and we fall to hell. It's we start on our way to hell because we are in a fallen state and believing in Christ and his work is what brings us to heaven. Yeah. Yep. That, that's such a good point. And you never want to lose track of how, how important it is to, to look at, at the gospel through all of these, because if you just consider it in terms of doctrine, um, who cares, right? Who cares if you're not getting to the bigger point? And the bigger point is Jesus. So when you see the atrocity that is hell, you need to also see the beauty that is Jesus. That he would be willing to look at us who are hell-bound and who are determined with every fiber in our bodies to march into hell with smiles on our faces. 
right? This, this is something that um, I, I think C.S. Lewis talked a lot about, but certainly other preachers in our day, is the fact that no one goes into hell um, unwilling. People who go to hell go to hell because they have chosen to reject God and they wanted to make God themselves or make themselves a, a God and the world to revolve around themselves. And, and that's it's terrible when I just say it like that. And I don't mean that to say as in all, all of you people who do not believe the same things I do. All of us do this. This is our natural state because we are fallen. And that means we need to see just the sheer beauty that is Jesus coming and, and taking these wretched people, these wretched sinners who want to go to the place where God does not exist. And he said, no, child, I love you. And even though you have no idea, you can't understand it, you can't see it, I will die for you and I will take that place. I will absorb the wrath that is hell. I will absorb all of that onto me and instead I will give you eternal life. Like that is just the most beautiful thing in the world. So we've we've discussed heaven, hell a, a bit. Luke 16 is our, our key point there. Um, we can get more into going deep we're, we're coming up against the clock here. Um, and we discussed how one gets to heaven and one gets to hell. Um, and I, I think that's maybe a, a last point we can close on, on this question in the last few minutes here. And I would like to get Nick and Matt's feedback on this is it's not about what we do. It's about what Christ did. And maybe I'll ask, or I'll ask this question to close this point and, Hopefully this ties a knot for for everyone. But what is the best thing about heaven? And I'll I'll answer it one, and then I'll I'll pitch it over to Matt and Nick here. I believe, and this is a, a John Piper quote, but the best thing about heaven is that you get God, mm. and the best thing about heaven is that God is there. It's not eternal life. It's not happiness forever. It's not, you know, mansions and, and what we think of heaven from a materialistic point of view. It's that you get God. And our point is, is if you don't want God because you don't believe in God or believe that he sent his son to save us from our sin, you're not going to like heaven very much because that's where God is. Uh, what do you guys think of that idea as we wrap it up here? That's exactly where I was going. Um, it doesn't sound like the way that culture um, or, or television or, or whatever describes heaven, right? You, you do think of heaven as it. What, what are all these material things that I get? But I couldn't agree more. Um, here in this life, um, when, when you are redeemed to Christ, you are brought into union with him. But in heaven, we'll get to be in communion with him, in true communion. Um, we'll get to be with his, his person and spend eternity with him. Um, and that's amazing. But something else that I think is just incredible is that um, we'll be fully restored into the way that God made us, which is in his image. So right now, everything we do, no matter how um, Christian or um, how much Bible you, you take in, no matter how strong you try to work toward um, being more like Christ, we're all tainted with sin. But one day we'll get to be in heaven to see him face to face and to be... Um, the truest humans that that we really could be and that's like like we were in the garden and um just real quick i wanted to read there's a, a song by citizens that um I, I think one of their verses really just nails this it's by from their song madness uh it says sometimes i wish i was never born to feel the sting of a merciless world 
the constant ache of all this grief pressing me down, but it's never defeat. Because when I've reached the end of my years, I'll lift from the grave and bury my tears, and I will see you face to face with brand new eyes and a finished faith. Yeah. What a lyric. I love what both of them just said, and I will agree on essentially the same point. I uh, want to read a verse quickly from Revelation 21. Uh, three and, and four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things passed away. Um, life is a desert. Um, the way the, the time of life we are in right now in 21st century is described in biblical times as a desert. Um, starting from the Garden of Eden, we come from a garden, a place of flourishing, a place of closeness with God to exile, banishment from the effects of sin. We are now currently in what's described as like a desert. And the picture at the end of Revelation is the truth of heaven, and that is being united once more with God. Um, in a place that has life and that is that is the hope of what it means to be a Christian is to be reunited with God fully in the true sense at that time while walking with him today is also a gift um, in the book of John um, Jesus says that thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life um, have it to the full. And so heaven is the, the realization in full of who we are meant to be, just like Matt said. Yeah, perfect. You guys just nailed it there and, and brought it back down. And I think to answer the one comparison to paint the picture in our listeners' minds is from a natural worldview, if you don't believe in an afterlife or consequences of an afterlife, eat, drink, and be merry. Mm. From a Christian point of view, one, the view of, a good view of heaven gives you hope for a future, gives you peace and comfort in this life based on what God did and that it's not up to you, which gives you assurance. And a good view of hell lets you understand that there is punishment, there is justice, there is righteousness that a beautiful, loving God demands. And those things play into how we live our life as Christians as we are hopeful, we are peaceful, we are loving. And we understand that vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, not ours. And I think that's the difference in how that plays out in a day-to-day -day life. Um, one resource I'll recommend is, is Tim Keller's sermon called Rejecting the Real Jesus uh, around this topic. It it's, was great for me to listen to. And with that, I will uh, slowly start to beckon us out. I hope this verbal processing was uh, was good for your edification and this topic of topics we take for granted on heaven and hell was useful have a great one everyone talk to you next time